Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle and thank you for joining me at www.sonic-cinema.com. You can also listen to episodes at the Sonic Cinema Podcast YouTube channel and subscribe to the podcast on both Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. You may also check out the Sonic Cinema Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash sonicsinema for brief write-ups on many new watches as well as longer pieces and audio content. That is patreon.com backslash sonicsinema. This year marks the 20th anniversary since I lost my grandfather, John Mitchell. While I had fond memories of time spent with each of my grandparents, uh, John meant the most to me because of the bond we developed from the time his wife passed away on Super Bowl Sunday in 1991 to when he passed away on July 29th of 2000 from complications from cancer. Throughout most of that time, our strongest connections came from watching movies together and from him becoming engaged in my time with the Lasseter High School Band. He would go to marching band competitions as well as symphonic concerts. And when I began to compose music, he really supported it as well as supported my pursuit of music in general. We would speak constantly when I was off to college, and we also shared football fandom. He and my grandmother, Mitchell, were longtime Browns season ticket holders, and I remember when the team moved to Baltimore, how much that hurt him. Along with my father, they were my biggest reasons for my Browns fandom. And I remember calling him the day that the Falcons won the NFC Championship game in 1999 to go to the Super Bowl, and it truly felt like something, a gift to us as to me personally being a Browns fan who was still waiting for the team to return uh, to have my other favorite team the Falcons go to the Super Bowl that year many of my most formative memories with him however have to do with movies in 1993 too we went to see a few good men as a family and it became a tradition for us to watch it together every Christmas until he passed away uh, after he passed away, my mother and I turned to the ref for our Christmas tradition instead. I remember part of the discussion we would have after A Few Good Men had to do with the ending, and my grandfather, who fought in World War II at the Battle of the Bulge, did not understand why the Marines on trial ended up getting in trouble to being court-martialed, uh, dishonorably discharged, even though they were... Uh, found not guilty of what they did. Spoiler alert. Uh, we still enjoyed the experience every time we watched it, however, and when we went up to visit in him in Ohio in 1993, as well as other family was and friends who were still up there, I ran the movie constantly, and that's where I really started to... I basically had the uh, you-can't-handle-the-truth speech from Jack Nicholson mentioned that was so... Wa watching the movie so many times during that summer. Uh, when my mom and I started watching Mystery Science Theater 3000, he would occasionally watch episodes with us, calling them quote-unquote after-school specials, and certainly some of the movies feel that way. Um, he and I also watched Dr. Strangelove together for the first time seeing it, and I think it was his as well, and we were both a bit baffled by 
how this quote-unquote comedy was intended to be funny. Although I did eventually get on board with Kubrick's dark humor in that movie. And we all went to watch Saving Private Ryan together when it came down to visit in 1998. And it was actually the last time all four of us, including my parents, went to a movie together. And the last film my father saw on the big screen. He was not as much of a movie fan as we were, even though he would still watch them at home. Uh, he didn't make that many trips uh out the uh, older he got to theaters. Um, the ones that I remember most vividly are Maverick on Memorial Day weekend, Crimson Tide on uh, Father's Day of 1995, or actually it was Mother's Day of 1995, I think, and then that Saving Private Ryan experience in 2000 was particularly vivid for me when it came to movie experiences with him. Uh, before his diagnosis left him in hospice for the last few months of his life. Uh, when he came down to visit us uh, before that diagnosis, we watched Michael Mann's The Insider together prior to the Oscars. Uh, but the fa final film he and I watched together in the theater was Curtis Hansen's Wonder Boys. Um, and for my, he, myself, and my mother, I think the last one we watched together in theaters was The Whole Nine Yards, which uh, my mom and I always enjoyed. After that, I think the only movie we saw together, uh, it was a few weeks before he passed away. He was in hospice at this point. Uh, it was when my uh, mother's cousin Diane came to visit him and was the 1998 comedy Waking Ned Divine, which we had on VHS. And uh, we all watched on this little TV VCR combo that my mother and I had gotten him for his room. It was one of the more ex memorable experiences I think I had with him watching a movie. And... It was one of the last times I truly remember him seeing happy, being happy during that experience. That was the the seven weeks we were up there um, after my mother and I drove up there together. It was it was a tough roller coaster ride. Um, if you've ever experienced that, if you've never had experienced that type of um, up and down with a loved one I do not wish on anybody it was a uh, it was a tough experience and it was one where movies offered it was one of those moments where movies offered a, offered a catharsis for me in a way that they really it there are a few times that films have offered a catharsis for me um quite the same way as they did during that uh, situation as well as afterwards. And uh, that's, that's, um, that's what I'm going to be discussing now. If I had a comfort movie during that time he was dying, it was, it was Edward Norton's Keeping the Faith. My mother had seen it, and I had seen it together in Georgia, and we enjoyed it. But when I went to go visit my grandfather after the semester ended, it was just me in his house making sure he got his mail, take, making sure he gets the doctor's appointments and visiting him uh, every day. It was a movie I saw my many times, 
over that month I was up there. I really don't know what it was about that movie that made me return to it over and over. Uh, like I said, when my mother and I saw it, I didn't think too much of it, but as the repeated viewings got greater and greater, I ended up seeing it seven times in theaters, it started to really resonate with me because like the characters played by Edward Norton and Ben Stiller in that film, it was a point of transition and change for me as I was trying to figure out my personal identity. It was also a fun traditional romantic comedy, and I enjoyed it in that way too. So it was easy entertainment. Um, the day that we found out that he was terminal, uh, it was it was a movie that I went to go see because I needed to go see it, and I needed to sort of get out of my head uh, to a certain extent at that moment, and it still remains one of my favorite films of all time. And I will always uh, connect it with that experience. And I think it was that personal connection that built with keeping the faith in my grandfather's death is what led me towards being more enamored with films that dug deep uh, with me on a personal level rather than just enjoying movies on an entertainment level. Um, I still really enjoy a lot of films just for the sake of enjoying them, but the ones that mean the most to me resonate on a deeper level. It took me a long time to really get over my grief of uh, my grandfather's death. And movies helped me do that. Um, in the short term, it in 2000, uh, Neil Labute's Nurse Betty and Cameron Crowe's Almost Famous were films that really nurtured that emotional part of me that felt broken in much the same way that Keeping the Faith did. And it's it's those movies, as well as others, thinking of High Fidelity, thinking of Wonder Boys, uh, 2000 is really one of those big years for me where something about my watching movies, my ability to watch movies on a deeper emotional level changed dramatically and it was because of the way those films worked on me emotionally during this really turbulent time in my life. Um, in 2001, AI and The Fellowship of the Rings were escapist films that also did a number on me when, in my emotions when it came to uh, feeling like having a post-death connection with him. Um, the scenes of Frodo and Bilbo at Rivendell, uh, the moments after Gandalf's sacrifice on the bridge of Khazad-dûm, and the very end of AI are all moments that uh, connect with me on that similar emotional level. In 2009, though, my I, I finally feel like I felt closure uh, after my... after over my grandfather's death, uh, and it was because of Pete Doctor's Up. And I've mentioned it on here on the podcast. I've mentioned it in reviews and writings before. As much as he visited us in the years after my grandmother died, my grandfather also traveled the world, going to Europe, Australia, New Zealand, and Newfoundland, among many other places. 
when he would come down after those trips, he would show us the pictures and tell us stories of his experiences there. He did what Carl Fredrickson does after his wife died in Up. When we moved down to Georgia, my parents got me involved with the Boy Scouts, and I got my Eagle in 1992. Uh, my grandfather never attended any of those trips, but my father and I had our stories as well that we shared with him. So you can imagine the emotions that came over me when Carl and Russell, the scout he befriends inadvertently and up, go on this adventure together. It, in a very real way, it felt like it felt like my grandfather was watching the movie with me and that we finally got to share an adventure of our own for the first time. In 2001, during my last semester of college, I started writing a piece for viola and electronics that I intended to use as a way of getting through the emotional journey brought up with my grandfather's diagnosis and pa passing. It was called Sonic Contemplation. I never did finish that version of that. Uh, in retrospect, the piece became uh, too cumbersome, and it really started to lack focus, and I wasn't quite sure how I was going to conclude it. Um, in 2002, after a uh, brief bout of inspiration, I began working on the piece again, this time for trombone and electronics, and I ended up finishing that version in 2006 and recorded it in 2010. Uh, a little bit of a little bit of um, background, be further background about that piece. Um, it's sort of a companion piece to my Five Stages Suite, where I use um, different octaves of six of the 12 chromatic notes of the uh, chromatic scale. And uh, I use the other six in Sonic Contemplation. I built the piece out of those. Uh, the electronics, they were really going to be, if you look at the score on the original electronics for Sonic Contemplation, uh, it was going to be really chaotic and really, uh, like I said, cumbersome. Um, and I basically got bogged down in that as I was working on the original version of it. And then uh, as I was working on it afterwards, after I graduated, it, it came more into focus in a way that was more satisfying. I still had trouble ending it. Uh, it wasn't until I was, um, I was really struggling emotionally. I was having a hard time emotionally at one point. And uh, I was actually going into work to do a test screening of something. And I, I found myself crying. I was an emotional wreck at this point and uh nobody else was gonna be there so it's like i just basically let go and uh i was listening to the music from rent the chris columbus movie that had come out and i was listening to uh will i uh the song will i that they sing in the uh aids um support group and it was listening to that piece that I really had this creative epiphany of 
how I could finally finish the piece. And I finished the piece shortly thereafter. And like I said, I recorded in 2010. Um, and it was, it was really being able to listen to it for the first time. It was, it, it felt like that chapter of my life was over. That 10 years was really over. Um, and to close this podcast, uh, thank you very much for listening. I know this is, I haven't really gotten this personal in the podcast for a while, but in, with his 20th anniversary of his passing come up, coming up, I thought it was, uh, time to discuss this, to discuss him because of the fact that he, he does mean so much to me, still means so much to me. And, uh, the experiences that I had when it comes to movies with regards to him still means so much to me. So uh, to close this podcast, I'm going to not play the piece that I usually play at the end of these podcasts. I'm going to play for you Sonic Contemplation instead, uh, which is available to listen to on sonic-cinema.com on the music channel. But I want to, it's, it feels fitting that this is the uh, piece that I close this podcast with. Um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, I know it's a bit different, but I appreciate the, uh, I appreciate you listening to it anyway. And until next time, this is Brian Scuttle with the Sonic Cinema Podcast. And uh, I hope you enjoy uh, song contemplation. I give hope it gives you something to contemplate, and I will uh, be back with more movie analysis in the future. Thank you very much. <laughs>